I love you. Hello, One Love Church. I'm taking a selfie video. I'm all by myself here at the church. I'll do a little twirl around. <laughs> so you can see uh, one thing that is certain, and it is this, that I'm not here with you today. But I want you to know that I am praying for you, and I'm excited about what's happening today. Uh, in the history of One Love Church, we used to have Sundays or Saturday nights when we first started that we would call my story. As you know, there are people that are, you are sitting around right now that have taken this opportunity to tell their story. And while I am not with you here today, I have had the opportunity to build a friendship with somebody in our church that I admire deeply. Uh, he is a sacrificial guy who gives himself not only to his family and to his church, but to his country. Uh, he's a great guy. He sits right back there, right, right back there. And uh, the truth is that I have heard his story, and I am excited that he is going to have the opportunity to share it with you. I know he's nervous. So if you will, give him your full attention and show him some love. Everybody, welcome up. Nathan Lett! Good morning. Right? How freaked out are you right now? Right? I could just get off the stage and she would be completely satisfied with everything right now. Right? So just like Brad said, uh, I'm going to give you my story. Uh, and I don't have any notes with me. And Brad told me to keep it to 30 minutes, so <laughs> we'll see how that works out. Um, <clears throat> so this is my story of how I came back to the faith and, and really sort of ended up here, maybe not necessarily ending up here, but I'm also going to kind of give a little bit of a point at the end of it. Hopefully we'll find it along the way. Again, I don't have any notes, so we'll see if we can pick one out or, uh, along the way here. So... I was raised Catholic, brought up in a Catholic family. My mom uh, went to Catholic school from preschool all the way through the end of nursing school. So I'm talking post-high school. So she went to church eight times a week, twice on Wednesday, because, you know, Ash Wednesday and everything like that. Um, so I kind of had that, that upbringing. Uh, a lot of um, guilt was in the family because they teach it at uh, Catholic school. I think it's around the third grade. That's when they teach uh, how to give a good guilt trip. My grandma was really good at giving good guilt trips. Uh, my mom is still really good at giving good guilt trips. Um, but eventually, somewhere along the way, uh, my mom decided that she had been to church enough for, for all of us, for the family. Uh, I think there was also, at one point, my, uh, my aunt, her sister, her youngest sister, um, had been kidnapped at uh, one time and had uh, escaped like rather quickly, so it was a, a short day. Within the day of being kidnapped, she had escaped, um, so nothing bad happened. It was just really scary for her. Um, and when she got back to school, they all went to Catholic school, like I said, um, the, the head nun, I can't remember what they actually call them, but the head nun had gotten over the intercom and had said that everyone needs to shun Polly Farney because she allowed herself to be kidnapped in an evil way and all this different stuff and put her into this solitary confinement room. And it was just, I think that was kind of the last straw that my mom had, uh, kind of looking back on that and said, nope, we're done with the church. 
And I was like nine or 10, so I'm like, okay, that's cool, whatever, sounds good. Um, and so I, I'd always been agnostic since that point, and if you don't understand what agnostic is, it's a little bit different than atheist. Atheist is there is no higher power whatsoever. Agnostic is I believe in a higher power, but don't fall under any specific denomination, and just someone created it or something created the universe, and that's pretty much it. So I kind of had that mentality, um, but I still, still had this notion that there was a separation between um, science and church, and I was starting to get into a lot of science uh, as I was growing up. Not in high school, I did terrible in high school, but I, afterwards uh, I got into a lot more science stuff. Uh, and then while I was living in Charleston, South Carolina, I met my, my beautiful wife sitting back there, um, who she, uh, I told her about this last week, and she was like, all right, well, I'm gonna make sure I'm not there, because you tell really long stories, but <laughs> fortunately she's back there with me. But um, I, uh, if you don't know, like Brad said, I'm in the service, uh, I was prior enlisted, uh, I did that for 12 and a half years, and then I uh, turned to the dark side and got my commission. Uh, and at the end of uh, November of 2011, uh, I went to OTS, Officer Training School, and had graduated. And shortly after that, one of the, like, it's like the second, but still kind of the first greatest thing ever happened to me. Um, and that was we were expecting our daughter, Maddie. Um, and if you are not a parent, you have no idea how much it changes your heart having a child, even just like getting pregnant, like knowing that a child is coming. Before we had a child, I look at, looked at parents that had more than two children in disgust. I was like, what is wrong with you? We've got limited resources as it is on this planet. You're gonna overpopulate it? Puh, spit on you. And as soon as I found out that we were having a baby, I'm talking the instant. I, I got a text from my wife and I immediately called her, it was a text of a picture of the EPT, like parent test, whatever it's called, saying positive, and like, I had to call her and say, like, what does this mean? Like, I know that they try to make it dummy proof, but she had the instructions right next to it, and I still couldn't figure it out. I'm like, what is, what's going on? The instant that I found out we were having a child, I wanted 11. I wanted to have a full baseball team and two in the bullpen. I wanted to be able to play rugby 11s and fill the pitch, or play 7s with four in the lineup. That's, I was so excited about having a child. Um, and then, whoops, going a little too fast. So I want to make sure that I raised you right. Um, so I started early, obviously. I needed to get her into understanding how the world works, this universe that we live in, and, and you know, get a good education. So in the womb is pretty much the best place to start. So I'd have her listen to Beethoven. It's my favorite uh, composer. And, you know, <clears throat> read her basic physics, you know, basic university physics. Uh, like moderately calculus-based level. Not, not anything differential equations, just calculus-based. So started doing that. Um, now, along this time, uh, while we were pregnant with Maddie, um, <clears throat> I, there were two instances in, in my relationship with Sarah uh, that have been one of those like forks in the road, that pivotal point where uh, it, things could go bad, right? And it was based around how we were going to raise Maddie. Uh, and the first one was, it was extremely critical. It was how are we going to introduce her to the Star Wars episodes? Is it one through six? Like, like they've got it descending, or is it four, five, six? And like we saw it, 
And fortunately, uh, it was a very quick conversation because Sarah had said almost immediately, I don't understand the question. It's, it's not something that needs to be posed. She sees it the way that we see it, four, five, six, and then maybe one through. I'm like, sweet, we can stay married. So, <laughs> so there was that. And then the, the second pivotal point was uh, she had said to me that she wanted to raise Maddie in the church. Um, she had a great experience in her church, a Presbyterian, I think, uh, in Delaware. Uh, I obviously didn't, because Catholic, don't need to say anything else. Um, and so I'd said to her, like, okay, I, I could see if I, like, stand fast on this, uh, know that it could really start that conversation off sourly, but as we go along, I could possibly see a split, and there, there may end up being a, uh, like, an irreconcilable differences kind of thing. Um, but I told her, it was like, okay, it's fine. Uh, I, I can deal with, or can go along with this, and, uh, but at some point in time, some age that she's going to get to where she'll be able to make that decision on her own if she wants to stay in the church or not be bamboozled, right? That's my mentality that I had by this. Because uh, I'd been around a lot of church holes, and Jake knows exactly what I'm talking about there. Um, <clears throat> so we ended up finding this church in Warner Robins, Georgia, where we were stationed at, uh, and we lived there in, uh, on the base, and there was another lieutenant that lived on the base, and uh, he kind of got us into the base housing. We went to dinner over there, and they said uh, that they go to this church called Longleaf, and it's a satellite, dang it, I keep going a little too fast on the slides. Sorry, I got a clicker here, because I've got some slides that build later, and I need you to follow along with me. Anyway, so it's a satellite of North Point, which is Andy Stanley kind of runs that, um, and uh, this guy had told me that it's a great church, non-denominational, um, and Andy's got this kind of mentality of uh, getting these points across to you. And even if you don't believe in this Jesus guy, you know, here's still something that you should live by. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can deal with that. Um, uh, they're not shoving it down your throat like all these other churches do. Like, hey, let me tell you about how Jesus can save you. Man, I, okay, sure, tell me, whatever. But going here... Uh, we got to the first first time that we went to this church, and I walked out and was like, Hold, even though I wasn't still like in this, I'm a church person, I was like, I could still deal with this. I walked away from that service having actually gotten something out of the sermon. Any other time that I'd gone, like I'd go to the Catholic church for Christmas on, you know, East Christmas Sunday, or not Christmas Sunday, for Christmas service, Christmas Eve service. Um, and I, I don't know what you're talking about. It was just in one ear, out the other. I think because I was doing so much exercise, standing up, kneeling, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> um, but Andy really got to us, really got to me. I was like, okay, I can take these as life lessons. Uh, and then Sarah had asked if, uh, she, if I would like to be a part of one of the, the small groups. I'm like, all right, yeah, that sounds cool. At least we'd be able to talk to other people and you know, start making friends. Uh, and the first one that we did, it was absolutely perfect that it came up with this one. It was his series called Christian. And if you've never heard the series, I highly encourage you to go check it out because it's, it's amazing. Uh, and the first thing that he came up with on the video that we watched before discussing it, he said, I hate Christians. Well, sir, you've, you've captured my attention. Please continue. 
Uh, and then he goes on and talks about how Christians, it's only used three times in the Bible, and twice, two of them are bad. One is those filthy Christians, and then the second one is the people that were following Christ, like, no, we're going to take this word back and make it good. And then, no, they went back and said, nope, you're still filthy Christians, and so it was completely uh, dismissed. What he had said to me in that was the actual meaning of what it is to be a Christian and not this definition that you can make up on your own. Uh, it's more the discipleship, like what we kind of have here, not kind of what we have, what we have here at One Love. Uh, and so I started kind of taking this message in a lot more and understanding, okay, it's being this disciple is being someone that loves God and loves people. Um, not what all these other uh, churches are saying is you have to um, pray a certain way. You have to hold the rosary and count the beads and like all that different stuff. Uh, so I started taking this in and going, okay, yeah, I, I definitely understand that there's a God. Uh, and now I'm picking up on what this Jesus guy is putting down. Uh, so I can take that into heart. Um, but he obviously didn't die and come to life. They just thought he was dead. So then have Easter Sunday, and he says, but you can't believe this faith if you don't believe that Jesus died. Not they thought he was dead, it's he gone. I'm like, okay, problem here, because that's obviously incorrect. Um, but now I'm sitting there as an engineer with a problem that needs to get solved. So I've got to think about this, and I'm a thinker. So sat down and thought about this. And at the time, it was right after we had Maddie, uh, maybe about three months, and like an idiot, I thought it would be a good idea to take a, a uh, probability and statistics class to start working on my master's with a newborn. Um, yeah, that was dumb. But it probably worked out for the best because I was in this mentality of probabilities. And I started thinking, okay, so Andy, let's say you're right, and he did actually die and was coming back uh, from the dead. What would there have to be? What, how would this world have to work in order for that to have happened? So I started thinking back. It's like, okay, so I do believe that there is a higher power. Something created this, this universe that we live in. Uh, and there's this Jesus guy, and God. So uh, there's a probability that a God exists, uh, a specific entity that has created this. Um, and there's a probability that Jesus did come back to life because anything is possible. There's infinitesimal probabilities of something to happen. Um, God created the world and the laws that govern our universe and how we deal with things. So he could probably change those laws to get his kid to come back. Dang it. All right. <laughs> I guess I'm a believer now. So I really had this epiphany uh, along with this notion that the church and science were not mutually exclusive. This was my normal picture right here, These, the light blue is the church and the gray is the science, and they're completely mutually exclusive. Uh, that's what my mentality was. Uh, and it was during this time that I realized that that's true. Uh, and if you don't know what mutually exclusive is, it's uh, one thing can't happen if another one does, like flipping a quarter. Uh, what's the probability of getting a heads and a tails? If you get the heads, you can't get a tails, right? So they're completely separate. Uh, but that's not true. Um, science is not there to um, debunk God. Uh, God, I think, Jake, you can agree, says in the Bible that God will present himself. And science is there to help us find where he presents ourselves. 
Uh, so that's where we're going to get into uh, a little bit of math here. So, and this is something that I really was was thinking about and helped me help me out with this. So, this right here is the uh, uh, the formula for describing motion. It's the mathematical model to describe movement, like a distance d moving from one spot to another. It takes this and actually going from up to down using the Earth's gravitational pull. So D is equal to the initial starting point distance, like say here. Uh, now I'm going through this equation because I was gonna come up with like a demonstration, but it was way too complicated to get all the wires. I just didn't have time. So I figured it'd be easier and more fun to go through the math, right? So, so then we've got the initial distance D. We've got V is the velocity, the initial velocity that you give it, times time. So we start with a t equals zero and then some dis change in time plus one half, negative 9.8 meters per second squared. That's the acceleration times time, right? So what was really getting me to think about this was that negative 9.8. Why is it negative 9.8 meters per second squared is the gravitational acceleration on Earth? Why? It, yeah, 32 feet per second squared. But it's why? Why is it that? Why is it that specific number? I think if it was any less than that, it would be really difficult to walk around normally. If it was more than that, it'd be really difficult to play football. Um, just you know those types of things. But why? Why is it that way? Um, and then I started thinking about Isaac Newton and how he thought about uh, these different things on in our uniform in our universe. So. We, he knew previous to this that force is equal to mass times acceleration, and we're using the gravi gravitational acceleration as lowercase g. So capital F is equal to little m, which is our mass times this gravitational acceleration, which we know it to be 9, 9.8. But he wanted to figure out how to get to that number. So he actually had researched it, and there's a really cool experimentation that he did to find what this was. Uh, but he figured out that that gravitational force uh, between two objects is equal to the mass of those objects, that product, divided by the radius, their distance between each other squared times this constant capital G. Uh, so I'll just walk you through this. This capital M sub E is the mass of the Earth. Well, so we've got this force, and we've got this little m on the right side. We know that force is equal to mass times gravity. Is equal equal to that uh, equation on the right-hand side. Well, we can cancel out those little m's, those masses. I think I'm in the wrong class. <laughs> Go to the principal's office. So we can cancel out those little m's, right? We can divide out on both sides. Uh, so we can find out that the gravitational acceleration is equal to the mass of the Earth divided by the radius of the Earth squared times this constant g, right? So as we all know, it's mass of the Earth is 5.98 times 10 to the 24 kilograms. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Elementary school stuff, right? And then also, as we know, the radius of the Earth is 6.38 times 10 to the sixth meter. We square that, and then we have to multiply it by this constant g, which is Newton found to be 6.67 times 10 to the negative 11 Newton meter squared per kilogram squared. Now, if you calculate this out, it ends up being 9.8 meters per second squared. So that's it there. That's how it got to 9.8 
But you can also figure that out by just doing a whole bunch of experiments of dropping something, see how long that calculated out, which is really easy. I won't go through that calculation. I'll leave that to you guys to do at home. Um, <clears throat> but what really got me interested in this was Newton went through, was trying to figure out how the universe worked and how these forces are, are kind of there and how to explain them and calculate them. And he's got four, four numbers there that you can put in, but only three variables. The last one is that constant G. And it may be a coincidence that it's a capital G and it's God, because when he presented his, present, his findings to the church, which is that's what you did in those days, um, he expressed to them that these forces govern us in this universe and God is within these forces. And that's what he explained. Now, he had a different idea of how the relationship was with God, but it's, it's really immaterial. He's kind of showing that here's God right here. I, that, that's as far as I can take it. God's got it the rest of the way. Um, so even as a scientist, he knew that, okay, there's God there, and I, I can't explain it any further. And this has been the mathematical model since. No one's really come up with another idea of how to explain that capital G. Now, they tried, and we're going to continue trying, and maybe we'll find it, um, but it's never going to completely describe God. Uh, so if anyone's having kind of a, a, uh, a scientific battle or some kind of internal battle um, about... You know, how this world works and how the universe works. Just understand, it, it, no one really knows. Like, if you're trying to figure out how God works, no one knows. Isaac Newton couldn't. He's a pretty smart guy. Um, but don't think that the church has it completely figured out as well. Um, so who believes that this is kind of how our solar system works, rotating around the sun? I'm looking for any kind of hands. Heathens. All right. In the 17th century, this was the model that uh, Nicholas Copernicus had, had defined. He wrote a book on it. And the, the church had said that this was absolutely wrong. This is incorrect. It is not the way that we know it, how it is written in the Bible. Uh, and um, Galileo Galilei had written a book uh, making arguments for both cases, that this is how the planets orbit around the, earth, how, around the sun, uh, and also how the church had, had believed it, that all the planets and the sun rotated around the earth. Uh, and Nicholas Copernicus's book was on the banned book list for the church, and when Galileo wrote his, he accidentally agreed with Copernicus. So Galileo was taken to the Roman Inquisition and was threatened with torture if he did not relinquish these thoughts and ideas. Uh, and what I think this was, was this was some academic in the church uh, that misunderstood what was going on in how the world worked and kind of took his understanding of, of God a little too far and a little too close to heart and thinking that uh, someone else, science, coming up with this proof, this mathematical model uh, that God created math, so we use this math to kind of prove things out. Uh, this guy took, um, took it personally and thought, well, if I'm wrong, then that would mean that all of God is wrong, and I can't have that. So they had Galileo relinquish this, and uh, he ended up spending the last eight or nine years uh, living in his house in house arrest. Uh, so the church doesn't always have it figured out, right? 
Uh, and no one really does have God figured out. I definitely know I don't. I don't have God figured out. I don't think I ever will. There's going to be one time that I find it, and unfortunately I won't be able to come back and tell you guys, right? <laughs> so our best bet is just kind of move forward and keep thinking about it. Um, and that's kind of what I'm getting my point to, is to, to rethink different things. And I'll tell you a story about when I was getting my, uh, my bachelor's degree. Uh, I was in my physics class, and my physics degree looked like Gandalf. Swear to God, Gandalf, Americanized, 20th century, huge, bushy beard, great big white hair, uh, had this like, you know, kind of motion about him. And randomly, in one of our classes, he'd said, um, you know, have you guys ever heard of SETI? Um, well, and if you don't know what SETI is, SETI is the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Uh, he's saying that back in like the late 1970s, uh, there was a group of astronomers and, and scientists that got together, uh, and then the late eight, in the early 80s, they ended up going to the government for for funding to do some research, and it's to point to the heavens and listen for any signal that might have been created by an intelligent life form beyond our Earth. Uh, and I'm not trying to prove whether aliens exist or not, but it was a really really interesting topic that he was talking about was, you know, during the time that they've been created and started listening, uh, they've only been able to scan about four or five percent of, of the heavens above us, the, the space that is pointed out away from Earth. And in that time, there have been no conclusive results that they've gotten ever. Now, a lot of people might say, well, yeah, we'll continue going on and never hear anything because we're alone. And some people will say, well, no, there's obviously going to be some time that we find it. We just haven't gotten it all. But the point of his question was, or not question, but his topic was, if we go and study and search all 100%, what would be more interesting, if we never found something or if we did? And that gave me goosebumps. So I was thinking, okay, it's, not, it's no longer a question about is or isn't, are there or aren't there. It would be why or why wouldn't there be. So that kind of got me into this mentality of changing the way that I ask questions of myself. And especially when I got into the church over at, at Longleaf, I re-asked those questions of myself and how I could figure out that, okay, yeah, God could change the rules and bring his son back to life because um, his son is him. And don't worry, I'm not going to go through the whole, it's one God with three entities. <laughs> no, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, <clears throat> so my, 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 I guess my challenge to you in this and the point that I'm getting at in this is if you run into a struggle with something that you read or something that you're experiencing, uh, faith-wise, change the way you think about it, change your question to ask yourself. Uh, and what I really go, boil down to is uh, the, the axiom that I see of uh, the, um, the sequel, right, of the New Testament. Uh, Jesus brought to us these two commandments. Really, it's 1A and 1B, love God, love people, right? So if you go through a passage and you see something that is contradictory to what you kind of feel and what you believe, uh, just go back and, and look at the main point of what that passage is getting at and ask yourself, how does it relate to loving God and loving people? 
All the other extra details that might be confusing, it's superfluous information. You don't, you don't need to mess with it. Just understand how does it relate to love God, love people. And that's just my, my interpretation of it. You know, uh, I'm surprised that Brad didn't put something about a disclaimer. These are the views of Nate Lett, not necessarily one love. Um, but it's something that's helped me out, right? And, uh, and hopefully it helps someone else out. I think that's really all I got. Did I go over 30 minutes? No? no? If you want. 26? <laughs> right? Now we got, well, I got to stop now so we can set the bar for Brad, right? So he doesn't keep us going. But, um, but really, that's, that, that's what my point is, is just change the way you think about things. Change those questions. Uh, figure out how you can find God and find loving uh, people in those answers and it might help you out. There's going to be some questions that are just you can't answer, uh, and those I kind of kind of let go. But you can't let them all go. You got to figure out, pick and choose where they need to go. But uh, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you.